Would you bow your head and close your eyes with me for just a moment? I just feel as though today we've come into this place. It's been a, it's been a unique day. We've worshiped together. We've, we've given together. We've laughed. We've cried. And now we're going to hear from God's word, which is way more important than coming. You don't come here to hear from me or anyone else. We come here uh, to hear from God the Father. We come here to hear from this word that the Spirit inspired men to write down. And so would you take just a moment and say, God, would you teach me today from your word? Father, teach me something from you today. You may want to do as I do before I come up to speak at some time during the morning, sometimes multiple times. I'll just turn my hands upward, my palms up. And say, God, would you, would you fill me today? Father, you are great and you are good. Let it be your words today and your truth beyond anything that I could ever say that we want to hear from you. So teach us from these stories, these parables that the Savior himself taught and make us more into the image of that resurrected Jesus today. And we'll thank you in his name we pray. Amen. So walking in today, I want you to think about the things that are sitting around your house, maybe the things that you don't leave the house without. I'm not sure what it would be, but what would be your most important possession? That thing that you've got to have, that thing that before you knew it existed, your, your life was just not complete and you didn't know it. But now that you know it's there, it's like life has taken on a whole new meaning. You guys know for me, it's, it's food. A lot of times it has something to do with caffeine. I cannot remember my life without caramel macchiato. I don't know uh, what it was like. It was, it was pointless, uh, really, b- before then. I mean, just, just an amazing thing. I mean, for some of you, you're, you're counting down the days. We're 49 days away from the Falcons taking the field. I know that a few of you are excited about that, hoping that they can redeem the uh, Super Bowl. We're um, less than... Let me do the math. Less than five weeks away from college football season. And then, uh, so I got to tell you something disturbing about college football. I didn't know this. Did you know that the college football season actually kicks off in Australia? This is a real thing. They started it last year. So this year, the Stanford Cardinals, be afraid of that. The Stanford Cardinals, uh, Cardinal, I think it's actually singular, are playing Rice in Sydney, Australia. That's the official start to the NCAA football season, which makes no sense to me because Chick-fil-A is not involved. And so when the Chick-fil-A, when the Chick-fil-A kickoff happens in Atlanta, at this new bird's nest or whatever that enormous thing is they're building downtown, when, when, that, when Alabama kicks off that day, I believe the college football season has started, all right? So they believe that it started. I'm not sure it ever ends for an Alabama fan, by the way. And then a couple of days later, uh, if only God's word would get that kind of response. The, uh, <laughs> and then a couple of days later, Georgia Tech, who still have a football team, they actually play. And, um, and so that, that, but what is it? What is the thing in your life that every day you would say, this is so important to me? Before I found it, before I don't remember my life prior to this, but it, it has to be in my life now. Jesus is telling a, 
a couple of parables in Matthew chapter 13 that have to do with this. It's on the heels of the parable that Pastor Todd taught us through last week, the parable of the soils. It's such a great job. You need to go listen to that. And Jesus is talking about his most popular subject. The thing that Jesus cares about the most, he does in three successive stories in Matthew chapter 13. We're going to get to a couple of those today. And it goes like this in Matthew 13, verse 44. He says, the kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field, which a man found and covered up. Then in his joy, he goes, he sells all that he has and he buys that field. Now let's consider this story for just a few moments. And first of all, just, just take it at face value. It's a, it's a very simple story. It's a really, when you think about it, perhaps it's a preposterous, ridiculous story to the people who are listening in to this today. So when Jesus is talking about the kingdom of heaven, or another way to say that is the kingdom of God, it's his most talked about subject. Nothing was more important to him. Understand this, when Jesus is talking about the kingdom of heaven, a majority of the time, he's not talking about a far off city that's gonna descend and come to earth someday. He's not talking about streets of gold. When Jesus is talking about the kingdom of heaven, he is talking about a holy present reality. And it was the centerpiece, the cornerstone, the focal point of his message on earth. It was the message that John the Baptist kicked off right before Jesus came on the scene. Matthew chapter three, verse two, he says, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand, John the Baptist said. When Jesus began his ministry, one chapter later, as Matthew records it, it was the very first message he began to teach. In Matthew chapter four, Jesus said, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. When he commissioned his disciples, it's the message that he gave his disciples to go and preach. In Matthew chapter 10, he writes it down this way. Jesus is saying, as you go, preach, saying the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse the lepers, cast out demons. Freely you've received it, now freely give. To say something is at hand is to say it's right on top of you. It's encompassing you. It's enveloping you. Jesus is saying the kingdom of heaven is a holy present reality. It's here, right here, right now. In Luke chapter 17, some of the Pharisees are asking Jesus about his teaching. And he even uses this phrase seemingly to make a reference to himself. In Luke chapter 17, verse 20, he says, the kingdom of God is not coming with signs to be observed, nor will they say, look, here it is, or there it is. For behold, the kingdom of God is in your midst. It's not a realm or another place. And to say the kingdom of God means that it belongs to him. It means that he is in charge and he is sovereign. The kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven is wherever God who has made himself known through the person of Jesus Christ is ruling and reigning. It's wherever he is in charge. That's the kingdom of heaven. The apostle Paul says it this way, for the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness and peace and joy in the spirit. And Jesus says now in this story that when you find it, it impacts everything. Nothing is of greater value or greater importance. I mean, the story sounds preposterous. Set everything else aside for one thing. I mean, imagine this for just a moment. You have finally got the opportunity. You've seen it, you've read about it, you've been anticipating it for years and years. And now here it is, the iPhone 13. 
and it costs $125,000. But for a two-year plan, you can, you can work that out and make it happen. It's invisible. You just think about it and things happen. You know, you call your mother with, and you don't have any, any excuses at all. Just mom. And there she is, just like a prayer. And there it have, I mean, it's, a, it's this amazing. You got to have this, right? You got to have it. And so you go through the garage and you start with the kids' things, right? Leave the golf clubs alone, but let's, how much can I get for this bike? He didn't ride it that much anyway. Let, let's, let's, go, let's go find this out. You start going through all the kids' things in the garage. And then your wife leaves to go get some groceries. I wonder what's in her part of the closet. Let me go check that out for just a second. And you start, I don't think she wears that anymore. She's, you know, she, she doesn't need that. Then you start going through things and you start pulling out all of the things that you think we can do with that. Let's, let's sell this. And you go and you take it to wherever you're going to sell it. And you know, that's, not, that's not enough. And so you come back home and get rid of the TV and the kids' rooms. You know, you leave the one in your room and you just, you just start selling more stuff. There's this heirloom like dresser that you've got from like a great grandmother, amazing. But you didn't know that woman. So how much can I get for that? So this, can we sell this? And he goes over and over and over again. He keeps going until he, until he finally has enough to get the treasure. And as Pastor John Piper says when describing this parable, he says, and it's a happy trade-off. In his joy, he sells everything he has to get the treasure, to get the field where the treasure is. Jesus is saying, if it costs everything you have, it's worth it. I mean, he's walking through the field five minutes before he found it. He didn't, he didn't even know what he was missing. He had other possessions. He had other things in his life that he loved, but yet he did not have the thing that would satisfy the longing of his soul. I mean, if you've ever been in love, you know what I'm talking about. My wife says that I embellish this story and she's right. And don't worry, I don't have time to embellish it today, but I'm so thankful that I remember the moment when she came walking across the cafeteria. I mean, really and truly, school's about to start. We're a week from Monday, Cobb County. Sorry to remind you of that. We're a week from Tuesday, Paulding County. If there's any high school students in the room, let me, let me tell you how this works because this will help you. Here's the deal. A friend and I are sitting in the cafeteria. We're sophomores and we know the freshmen are coming in and we're checking them out. <laughs> this is the moment. We're gonna, we're gonna see if there's anything dateable in the freshman class, right? And so... In comes these couple of girls. My friend sits up straight. Shotgun. I'm, I'm not trying to demean you ladies. We're just, we're just having good, clean fun. I, I want to take her on a date. I said, that's fine. You, you take her. Because I was looking at the one next to her. And the one next to her, many years later, would become my wife. And what I love about remembering that moment is that that moment put me on a journey to get that treasure. I had to have that treasure. I mean, we didn't get engaged that day. It would be years before that would happen. We would go on dates with, with other people. Our lives would continue on. But I knew that one day I kept coming back to this. I knew that I would want that treasure to be mine. If you're a parent today, you can relate to this. I didn't know what I was missing until my firstborn came along. And then the second time around, I, I, I thought I had everything that I needed, but I didn't know what I was missing until, the second, until my second son was born. He cannot believe he found it. He cannot believe someone just left it there. And so he hides it again to make sure no one takes it from him this time and so that he wouldn't lose it. He now has absolutely nothing. By the time he goes and sells everything, he has absolutely nothing, but yet he feels like he's got everything. 
having nothing and having it all. I love the quote attributed to Jim Elliott, a missionary who lost his life taking the gospel to some natives in, in Ecuador. And he wrote this down in his journal before that ever happened, talking about his own life. He considered it this way. He said, he is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. When you know what you've got, you treasure it above everything else and consider what Jesus is saying about the kingdom of heaven. That's what the story is about today. He's saying the worth of having God ruling over you and being for you is far more valuable than anything else. And when you discover what it means to have God ruling and reigning over every area of your life, you will treasure that more than anything else. So the question today really is not what do you treasure most, but What does it mean to have God ruling and reigning in your life, in every area of your life? What does it mean to have God in charge of your home? Where are the areas that he is in charge versus the areas that you're in charge? Have you left yourself on the throne in some areas of your life? What's distracting you? What's in the way? What role does God's word play in your life every single day? What role does does prayer play in your life? What role does the spirit of God play in your life? Is God on the throne with your finances? Are you looking to his word and looking to him with how you work and with how you go to school and how you treat your neighbor and how you treat your strangers and how you forgive others and the choices that you make about the purity of your mind, your heart, your hands, the way that you honor the purity of your body and the health of your body, which is called the temple of God. Are you every day choosing life or are you choosing death? Are you choosing his ways or yours? Is he on the throne today? Is it his kingdom come, his will be done, or is it yours? Life can be difficult, tragedy will strike, but the teachings of Jesus say that when you give God his way and and he has his way in every area of our lives, we can have hope and joy in the midst of the tragic or even in the mundane every single day. And then Jesus tells another story. He wants to make sure we're getting this. He says this in verse 45. He says, again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant seeking fine pearls. The kingdom is like this merchant now. And upon finding one pearl of great value, he went and he sold all that he had and he bought it. To say a a pearl would be like saying just the the finest of gems. It would have been just a a general statement. But now he's comparing the, the kingdom of heaven to a merchant who's found something he's got to have. I mean, he, he buys and sells all over the world. He goes from town to town to town. He's always on the lookout for treasure. He's on the lookout for gems. And now he's come to this one port city and he's walking down the road and he's looking in the different shops and he goes into this one shop and there he sees below the glass case in the back corner of the case. He cannot believe anyone has not seen this before now. He doesn't have any idea why anyone would have left it there. But he says to the shop owner, he says, how much for that? And they give him the price of the gym and he thinks, what have I got with me? How much money have I made on this trip? He says, hold it for me. I'll be right back. And he goes back and he does the same thing that the person does in the first story. He starts selling everything that he's got. And then he would come back and finally, finally, after selling all that he had, he would be able to capture that treasure. And then once again, according to the teaching that Jesus gives us, he would have such incredible joy. And think about these folks now that these stories are about. You could say that the man, the merchant who sold everything in this town, now he is stuck in that town. The person who 
sold everything in order to buy the field and the treasure in the field. All he can do right now is live on that field. It costs everything, but it's completely worth it. Jesus would be talking about discipleship later on. Matthew records, Jesus would say this, for whoever wants to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. Think about that statement from Jesus. Whoever wants to save his life will lose it. Whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. So all that you have and follow me, everything else you have is secondary to me. It is no wonder why so many people walked away. It's, why, it's no wonder why so many people have, have decided over the years, I cannot possibly follow him the way that he wants me to. I mean, even in these days, other rabbis had come and gone. Other leaders had come and gone. Who is this guy to make everything about him, about his interpretation of scripture and further teachings and about a kingdom that is in this world and yet not of it? And it's foolish to consider this parable just in the just in its own context alone and only be thinking about Jesus before the cross without thinking about Jesus after the cross. You see, we can consider this side of the cross and it gives this parable even greater worth. And the apostle Paul was considering the worth of following Jesus with everything that he had. And he was considering it in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. And he said it this way, if Christ has not been raised, then our preaching is in vain and your faith is in vain. That's a bad way to start this out. If Jesus is not resurrected today, then none of this is worth it. Verse 17, if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile. You're still in your sins. And those who have fallen asleep in Christ, who have, who have perished, they've perished. If in Christ we can have hope in this life only, we are of all people most to be pitied. We are a laughing stock. If it's only death, then that just means decay. It just means it's all over. That's not treasure at all. And the apostle Paul will be making a larger point there, but first in first Peter, Peter makes this point. I love this. He says, but blessed be the God and father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through what? The resurrection of Jesus. We have a living hope today. Christ from the dead to an inheritance that's not decaying. It's imperishable. It's undefiled. It's, uh, it's unfading, kept in heaven for you, who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. It is all worth it today because of our living hope in his name is Jesus. This kingdom treasure is partly present and it's partly future but because of the resurrection of Jesus, it can be wholly received and lived out right now. The kingdom of heaven is wherever Jesus is ruling and reigning in your life right now. His reign in your life means you have humbled yourself. You've accepted his mercy when you deserved his wrath. His reign in your life means you have received the unmerited yet all encompassing grace of God. You could never earn it on your best day and that's all right. His reign in your life means freedom from the punishment of sin, from guilt, from shame, from the cage of addiction, freedom from past hurts and failures and eternal purpose and the glorious future of God. That's what the kingdom of heaven can mean in your life right now. The kingdom of heaven in your life means forgiveness that you extend to others. His reign in your life means the presence of God through the power and the person of the Holy Spirit. And what does that produce in you? Patience, kindness, gentleness, goodness, faithfulness, self-control, control, joy, and peace that you cannot produce on your own. 
He has promised all things will work together for your good and his glory, no matter how painful. But because of the resurrection today, death has been defeated today and every day. And in the end, he will triumph over every evil and pain and sadness. He will wipe every tear from every eye. The resurrection means he is reigning now and he will reign forevermore. Share it all with us. And one day we will see it more clearly than we could ever possibly imagine. Nothing could possibly be worth more than this. Nothing could possibly be worth more. Nothing could possibly give you the direction and the purpose and the victory in your life that you're longing for so much than this kingdom. It's worth everything that you've got. It's a story about its worth. It's a story about the importance of having the reign of Jesus, the kingdom of heaven in every area of your life. And what does that mean for you today? The application is there, but we cannot look too hard for application and skip adoration today. We can't stand in obedience until we first stand in awe of what he has done for us by being our living hope. But I can promise you this, no matter who you are, no matter what's in your past, no matter what's in your present, no matter what brought you in here today, if you seek him, if you turn to him, you will find him. He will not deny you. He will rule and reign in your life. He said it in Luke chapter 12. Luke records it this way. Jesus is talking. He says, but seek his kingdom and these things will be added to you. Do not be afraid, little flock, for your father has chosen gladly to give you the kingdom. That's for every single person in this room who will watch this later on. Every single person on the planet, Father God has chosen gladly to extend the kingdom of heaven to you. Gladly to rule and reign in your life. One author says it this way, that very passage, he says, steep yourself in God reality, be soaked in it. God initiative, God provisions, You'll find out your everyday human concerns will be met. Don't be afraid of missing out on anything. You're my dearest friends. The Father wants to give you the very kingdom itself. It's worth it. No matter what you may have to put aside, no matter what you may have to put down, no matter what you may have to give up today, the kingdom of heaven is found worth it both now and certainly into eternity. Would you bow your heads with me? If you're here as a follower of Jesus today, as a disciple, this is an opportunity now for you to take stock of your life, to consider every area of your life and to consider where are you on the throne and where's God on the throne? Are there things you feel like you can, parts of your life you feel like you can run better than he can? If if there's a marriage falling apart today, that means that God's not on the throne in that marriage. One of you are trying to be in charge of that. If there's a family out of control today, that means there's, there's parts of that family where you're trying to run things yourself and not allowing the father to have his will and have his way in your life no matter what area it may be, any relationship, any work, anything that he has placed, any opportunity that he's placed 
into your open hands today. He wants you to give it to him. He wants you to trust him. And if you'll seek him first, everything else will be placed in order. Everything else will fall in line. That's what the scripture means. That's what Jesus said. And so believer, follower of Jesus today, we've come into this place to worship together, to hear God's word together. And this is his challenge to us today. Put him on the throne in every area. If you're here today and you've never put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, can I tell you, I've been praying for you all week. I've been praying that today you would understand that for your sake, God Almighty gave up everything. He gave his one and only son who gave his life for you. And walking in here, you may not have thought that this would be the day where you would have an encounter, a personal encounter with Jesus. Just like the man walking through the field, five minutes before he walked through that field, he had no idea what would be there. And so today you may not have been planning on this, but there's something tugging inside of you. Can I tell you it's the spirit of God? Don't deny it. Don't push it away. And if you want to receive his gift today of eternal salvation, perhaps even as great as that, is the opportunity to have him present and active and living in your life every single day made possible because of Jesus Christ. So today, if you would pray in your own words and say, God, I invite you even now to come into my life. Wasn't expected to be praying today. I, I don't know what I was expecting. I thought they might make me at some point, but, but here, this is me. I'm doing this, God. And I know that you hear me. And so God, I accept your plan for my life. I thank you for sending your son, Jesus, to pay the penalty for all my sins, for all the ways that I've messed up and and fallen short, I've missed the mark at times. But God, you've covered that. And I thank you that because of him, we have a living hope today because he's resurrected. That's, That's amazing.